Welcome to Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. This podcast will offer weekly episodes equipping passive and active investors alike with the tools, knowledge, and confidence to build wealth through one of the most powerful wealth creation vehicles out there, apartments. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, everybody. This is Money Mondays with your host, Ben Suttles. We are missing my co-host, my co-partner, Mr. Ferris Musa is on a cruise, having fun, but somebody has to stay back here and actually do some work. But this is my favorite time of the week, and it is Money Mondays, and we're going to be talking about tips for passive investing in today's market. So I know what everybody's thinking. There's a lot of interest rate scaring people and inflation scaring people, and all these things are just doom and gloom. Let me just set some, let me set some precedence here, right? At the end of the day, the news is there to sell ads. The only way they're going to convince people to actually watch the news is if they're scaring people every day, right? Nobody likes the rainbows and sunshines and unicorn stuff, right? So they have to get people to tune in because that's a fear-based methodology. But we'll get off of those conspiracy theories and kind of get back to what we're seeing in the market because we're currently raising about $50 million. So... We're going to get into, from a passive investing standpoint, what should you be looking for, not only in today's market, but let's just say in general. So some of these tips might not just be for today. It could be for the future. It could have been for the past too, right? And these are coming from people, me and Ferris both have passive investments in other people's deals as well as our own deals. We typically co-invest 5 to 10% of the equity in all of our deals. So we're looking for the same stuff as a typical passive investor. But let's get right into this thing. So we had some questions come in prior to the show. So let's just talk about the market in, in, in general, right? You know, like I started off the show with, right, there's a lot of just, I guess, questions and concerns about what the future might hold for real estate, what the future might hold for the economy. I think there is gonna be a little bit of a slowdown, right? But at the end of the day, this ramp up of valuations, this ramp up of rent growth, that was unsustainable anyway. So I'd say, what is wrong with trying to kind of get back to a balanced system, right? Where supply and demand, you know, we lost our, our background, but hey, we're just gonna roll with it. You know, what is, you know, what's a bad thing about having that kind of balanced supply and demand? So something to kind of take into consideration, right? You know, so, you know, what are investors' behaviors today in today's market? I'd say we're seeing a lot of people kind of sit on the sidelines. You know, people that might typically, you know, want to invest. You know, they had money in the stock market. Stock market is now a little bit slow, right? In order to take money out of the stock market and diversify into commercial real estate, you know, unfortunately, you know, um, you might have to end up taking a little bit of a loss, right? And so that's having people pause and say, well, do I really want to just, do I want to diversify or do I want to just hang tight and let the stock market come back? Right. You know, so something to kind of take into consideration that we are seeing a little bit of that. And I'd say that, you know, when we typically had 100 percent of a raise and, you know, maybe 90 or 80, 80 percent of the people would actually fund. It's probably more like 60 or 70 percent of the, of the people at this point are funding. So for my 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 active investors, my syndicators out there, I want you to know that you really need to double down on your marketing. You need to double down on those phone calls to your investors and ultimately just push the needle in terms of what you're gonna be doing because a lot of people are still gonna be sitting on the sidelines. And that's just gonna probably be how it is throughout the, the rest of the year, I'd probably say. So how are returns, projections changing for passive investors? What returns can multifamily passive investors expect in today's market? 
I'd say it's going to be similar to what you would have seen in the, in the, in the past, right? Pricing has adjusted with interest rates going up, right? So typically you're still going to see that seven, eight, 9% cash on cash. You're still going to see that 14, 15, 16% IRR. And that's typically going to equate to 15, 16, 17, 18% average annualized return. That stuff hasn't really changed much, right? The only thing, and I keep telling them, drilling this into people, the only thing that has changed right now is interest rates have gone up, right? In the Sunbelt markets that we invest in, those fundamentals are still there. There's still population growth. There's still job growth. There's still diversified economies. They're still business friendly. They're still landlord friendly. They're still tax friendly. All of those things drive growth, right? And when you have growth, that's going to gr drive the rents in those markets as well. That stuff's not going away. The other thing that I'm going to tell folks too, right, is real estate is sub-market driven. It's a, not a macro thing. When somebody says, oh, the real estate, you know, um, you know, industry is in a bubble. I just laugh at, you know, just asinine comments like that because at the end of the day, real estate is hyper local. Right? What's happening in New York or what's happening in LA is not going to be what's happening in Houston, DFW, or Austin, right? Because our economies are different than their economies, right? So they might be in a bubble, in fact. Who knows, right? We don't invest in those economies because they don't have the pro growth stuff that we're looking for. But, you know, when you start kind of looking at it and looking at each of the deals that might be in your pipeline, you need to start kind of saying, hey, could this potentially be in a bubble? Do they, do they have this pro-growth initiatives and, 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 you know, job growth and population growth or do they not? And the ones that don't, the ones where people are fleeing from the coasts to Texas and Georgia and Florida, guess what? We're going to be the beneficiaries of those. So, you know, I hate to say it. Yeah, I have a lot of California friends, but most of my California friends invest in Texas. So they do that for a reason, right? So to the earlier question, returns, projections are similar to what they were six months ago, right? You're just having to deal with a higher interest rate, right? So warning signs of bad deals in today's market. I would say it's the same thing that it always was. Right? You know, are they being too aggressive on their exit cap? Are they being too aggressive on their rent growth? Are they trying to cut expenses arbitrarily? Right? You know, I mean, is payroll typically 1500 a door and they're trying to say that they could run it for 1000 a door? Some of that stuff is just big red flags in any part of the cycle that you're in. Right? And, you know, bottom line, you just need to be looking at that and you need to be asking those questions. I always get concerned when we have investors that invest in our projects and don't ask questions, right? That either A, they're just pros and they just know this stuff as well as I do. And God bless them. I do know some passive investors that are very, very sharp people and they probably do. But most of the time people are just blindly, you know, accepting people's projections and, and returns and not asking those questions. And I think as, a, as an active investor, as a syndicator, I expect them to poke holes and ask questions and say, hey, what about this risk? How are you going to mitigate this? Right. You know, so again, the major things that are going to be big red flags, regardless of what, you know, part of the cycle you're in is the reversion cap being too aggressive. Are you being too aggressive with your rent growth? Are you not being, you know, conservative enough on your occupancy and your economic occupancy? You know, and ultimately, are you baking in what a realistic interest rate is going to be? And are you buying a, an interest rate cap? Right? I think those are important to, for uh, passive investors to be looking out for within the investor deck and within the PPM. And then ultimately, if you don't see the answer to your question, just ask. That's the most important thing is asking questions. Right.
So let's move on. Is now a good time to start passive investing? Yes. Every day is a good day to be investing in real estate. It doesn't matter what part of the cycle we are in, folks. I don't like people that sit on the sidelines, right? You know, now there might be a reason your portfolio or you're invested in Bitcoin and you bought everything at 60,000 of Bitcoin and now it's at 20. I get it. You're probably taking a bath. But, you know, my point is that there's always deals to be had at any part of the cycle and you always need to be working your money. The people that are going to keep their money in a savings account or just sitting on the sidelines, they're getting eaten up in inflation. So put it to work. Let's get some returns and try to defray some of that inflation, right? So I'd always say it's always a good time to be finding good deals. Now, finding the good deal, that's always the hard part, right? But they are out there. So how market cycles affect passive investors. I would say it's like anything else, right? If it's a little bit of a slowdown, you might have a little bit of a, you know, a lull in the returns that you're going to get, right? If it's hot market, obviously rents are going up and returns are going to be better, right? So it kind of goes like this, right? You know, it's the cyclical thing that we always talk about, right? When you're in that, when you're in that trough, right? This might be where you don't have a whole lot of rent growth. So therefore, you're not going to have a whole lot of returns, right? You might have to have some reserves in order just to weather the storm. And then things start picking up and they get a little bit better. And then they get a little bit better, right? And then they're going to peak. And then they're going to come back down, folks. So in any part of the cycle, you're just going to have to kind of play to it, understand where you're at. Right now, I'd say we're kind of in that trough area, right? Where we're kind of bottoming out. We're kind of getting a little bit slower. And I think for the next six months, you know, uh, time will tell. But doesn't mean that they're not great deals, right? So what advice would I give to a new or aspiring passive investor? I'd say get into your first deal. Don't get into this lull of, you know, having this, what I like to kind of call analysis paralysis, where you're, you're, you're that guy or gal that's looking at 50, 100 deals and poking holes in every single one of them and asking your spouse, what about this and what about that? And you're you're going to find a, a reason or excuse to not invest in every single one of those projects, and I'm going to say that's going to be your mistake, right? The folks, Ina and I still meet them at our, our meetups and, and at some of our investing events where there's the same guys or gals that haven't found a good deal in three or five years. And I'm just thinking, man, if I had done that, <laughs> I wouldn't be where I'm at today. You have to take action, folks. So I would say that's the most important thing. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't look at a lot of deals because it's always nice. It's a numbers game anyway. Maybe you maybe you, you like the returns here, but you don't like the area or you like the area, but you don't like the returns, right? You have to look at enough deals to determine what your buy box is. And we've talked about that on our show in the past, right? What is your buy box? You know, but ultimately when you find something that hits that, you've got to take action. And that is the most important thing. If you get anything from today's show, it's take some action, right? You know, but I got through that pretty quick. My Starbucks is obviously working. So I'm going to go ahead and pause for a little open Q&A. Let's just talk about anything. doesn't matter. We can talk about passive investing. We can talk about active investing. We can talk about anything. Yeah. All right. Any comments, questions? Uh, Trevor said, uh, great to see you last week or last Thursday. Great seeing you too, buddy. Uh, Lay said, great seeing Trevor and Dr. George from our meetup last yep. Thursday. Yep, yep. Uh, Amanda said, should passive investors start I would say that's actually a great point, Amanda. And I would say that that's probably true, right? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, all this stuff is meant to be longer term holds anyway, right? You know, I think everybody kind of got caught in that, 
let's exit in two or three or four years because the market was hot. I think there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, it's not that when people, when I say slow down, people automatically think that things are going to crater. That's not what I meant, right? I say instead of valuations going up 20% a year, they're going to go up five to 10%. Right. That's what I mean about slowdowns. Right. And so for people to to really be able to weather some of those lulls and those slowdowns that I'm talking about, they're probably going to have to hold on to these deals a little bit longer. Right. So just to give you an example, our last few deals, we're doing five to eight years, whereas before it was five to seven. Now, who knows? Maybe after this lull that I'm talking about, the market just skyrockets again. Who knows? And at that point, we'll sell in two or three years. We're opportunistic at the end of the day. So we're not like beholden to, oh, it hasn't been eight years, so we can't sell the deal. But at the end of the day, you have to just be prepared, I guess, really, to have your money ride that long. And that's one, that's actually another good point, too. Um, You know, if you get into a deal that's going to be a 10 year hold, you better be prepared to have your money tied up for 10 years. Because the one thing about syndication that's probably the only, I'd say, downside, even if it's a downside, is it's very illiquid, folks. So unless you, I mean, if you have a, you know, maybe a family crisis or something happens and you need your money back, the only way that you're going to be able to do that is either A, you come to me and I buy you out, or B, I go find another passive investor to buy your shares within the same syndication. I can't go, there's not a secondary market where you can go get somebody off the street and say, oh, go, you know, buy out Joe Blow over here. It doesn't work like that, right? The, the shares have already been sold. So if I can't, A, buy your shares myself, most of the time we do, if we, and that's only happened twice in our whole entire career, the other time is we would go and get somebody else. Most of the time we're gonna be able to figure that out, but point being is, is that you need to be prepared to ride that out for that long. So that's a good question, Amanda. Yeah, I'd say it's probably gonna be at least another year or two, and that's just to kind of take into consideration this slowdown that we're gonna have. So given the changes You know, I think that the business plan hasn't adjusted too, too much. You know, I mean, we're ultimately value add investors as it is. So we always put a lot of money into our deals in order to push the rent. I think that that's a tried and true business method that's, you know, pretty much been how multifamily has been for the last 30 or 40 years. So I don't see that really fundamentally changing too much. Um, the one thing that I am, you know, looking for is, you know, ultimately that longer that longer hold period because that rent growth is probably not going to be the sustained 15, 20% that we've seen in the last two years, right? So you just have to be able to underwrite to something that's a little bit more reasonable, you know, call it the 3 to 5% range, right? So our underwriting has changed a little bit, but I wouldn't say that the overall business plan has changed. The only other thing that I would say that we're looking to do then, you know, I mean, we, we've kind of, again, opportunistic up and down the spectrum. We've bought everything from 60s to 2000s build product is probably starting to kind of get into, you know, being a little bit more rigid about that new product, right? The 90s, the 2000s, and then the, the 20-teens, right, is the stuff that we're going to pretty much fundamentally focus on moving forward. Reason being is, is that, you know, again, you're just getting into a situation where there's some mechanical issues that you're going to have to start kind of dealing with. And some of the stuff's just getting a little bit older, right? You know, so that's going to probably change, but it doesn't really have anything to do with a slowdown per se. That's just internally what we're going to do as a business, right? And then uh, tips for having operators mitigate risk on their deals today. So... You kind of so 
Yeah, I mean, I would say, okay, so let's just start with the debt, right? You know, a lot of people got into these high leveraged loans, you know, where they were taking on 80, 85, sometimes even higher than that loans. And I think they're going to have a lot of problems trying to refinance those in the next couple of years, right? So being smart about what leverage you're taking on. Be smart about what kind of interest rate you're taking on or what kind of spread you're taking on, right? You know, fixed rate debt's great, but the, the, the options that we've seen in the market are not all that great, right? You know, you're still at 6 7%, right? You know, whereas if you, if you want to get, get a good spread and you get a good interest rate cap and you buy down that cap, you can probably save money going that route versus a fixed rate option. But people are kind of a little bit spooked about floating rates. They don't understand how interest rate caps work. You know, so bottom line, you know, um, you need to look at that and how does that kind of, you know, help insulate some risk. And then I'd say, you know, another thing, obviously getting the right insurance on your property, right? You know, in all cases, you know, you can be, you know, not in all cases, but in some cases you can be underinsured, right? So you, then you have a catastrophe that happens. You went with the cheapest insurance option just because you're trying to make your underwriting work. And then guess what? You're underinsured or your deductible is 500 grand. And guess what? When, that, when I mean that deductible is 500 grand, that means that you as the operator or the LLC that runs the, the, the property has to pay for that out of pocket. That could be devastating to a property, right? So looking into the, to the right insurance products too. But I'd say the king of things to ice or insulate your risk or mitigate your risk, um, you know, in pretty much any part of the cycle, let's just be honest. But right now, cash is king. Have reserves. It's the most important thing in all cases to have some money. And people are going to say, well, what is it? I say we typically have 5 to 10% of our equity raise is within reserves, right? And what does that equate to? Typically three to six months of operating capital, which is pretty substantial on some of these properties, but it's a peace of mind thing, right? You know, if we get through this lull that we're talking about and it's three or four years down the road and the market's humming and we've refinanced and we got long-term debt on this thing, maybe you give it back to your investors or maybe you don't, right? But, you know, paying that incremental, you know, a little bit more on that return or the preferred return that you have to give to your investors to have that peace of mind, trust me, you go back to your past investor and say, hey, you know, this is what's going to happen to the returns. It's going to be this much smaller, but you're going to have this, you're going to be able to sleep at night because you have these reserves and I'm never going to call you for a cash call. They're going to say, I'll take that all day long. So, you know, having those reserves is probably the most important way for you to mitigate your risk right now. Um, last question, Ryan Ray says, are, you, are there any plans to introduce deals that can accept 1031 funds? Absolutely. You know, um, Love for you to, to reach out if you do have one. We're, we're exploring that with several 1031, uh, you know, I guess, exchanges or ticks right now. Um, I think that's kind of, it's been one of those things that we've kicked around, but it's become a lot more, you know, I guess, popular the last six months, right? So bottom line, yes, we hadn't done it up until probably a few months ago. Um, but now we're kind of experts in it and, you know, uh, we've got obviously the, the legalities all figured out and, you know, we'd love to talk to you about it if it makes sense. Right. And again, it's, it's all about what is the 1031, um, exchanges kind of goals and what are they looking for too. Right. Because it's like any other business transaction or any other investment, right. They probably want to be in a certain market or they want to have a certain hold time or they want to have a certain return profile. So if you reach out to our team and Shannon, if you could just kind of, uh, you know, uh, dump that in the comments there, we're happy to explore that and see if it's a good fit. That's all we got for questions. Oh my gosh. All right.
going on, moving on, going once, going twice, but we cannot not have a Money Mondays without talking about MF Investor Network. And we are coming up on the July 23rd. I cannot believe it's coming up next week. But uh, <laughs> Shannon's like, I can't either. But hey, we're excited about it. We've got a lot of great speakers. We've got Brandon Turner. We've got Robert Hounds. We've got Tom Wheelwright. we got Neil Bauer, the mad scientist himself. I mean, all these guys are a wealth of knowledge. So if you want to learn where these guys are investing, what they think is happening in the economy, and then ultimately maybe meet your next business partner, maybe meet your next investor and do some great networking in an awesome place, come join us in Seattle. So check it out, mfinvestornetwork.com. Put in the coupon code LASTCALL. This really is truly the last call because it's a week from this Saturday, folks. $120 off. Check us out. July 23rd in Seattle, Washington. Look forward to seeing you there. All right. So we are coming up on our virtual meetup, Texas Multifamily Masters. Check that out. We got Mr. Damian Lupo, excuse me. And he's talking about EQRPs, you know, and that's just another way to invest into our projects. And we love Damian. He's got a lot of great information. So check that out disruptequity.com slash virtual meetup. Get yourself registered there. 7.30 p.m. U.S. Central. That is this Wednesday, right? Wow. Okay, man, it's moving along. We got a lot of events coming up. So this Wednesday, check it out. Damian Lupo talking about EQRPs, another way that you could use some retirement funds to potentially invest in some of our projects or anybody else's projects, right? But next week, I think Ferris is coming back. I don't know. He might stay on the cruise ship for all I know. But he's going to be coming to help me back. Uh, raising equity for real estate in today's market. Going to be one that you're going to want to tune into. Check it out next week. Money Mondays, every Monday at 3.30 Central. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode on Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. We have some really great episodes coming up, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast. For those interested in passively investing in cash-flowing multifamily properties, visit disruptequity.com invest. Fill out your information there, and you will get notified when we release our next multifamily passive investment offering.